This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast. I'm Carl Jorn, field agronomist for Northwest Indiana, joined as always by my fellow co-hosts, Brian Trader and Ben Jacob. How are you guys today? Very good, Carl. Good, good, good. thanks, Carl. And we are, uh, this is the April 28th edition of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast, and we thought we would uh, conclude our wraparound of the state on uh, how things are looking. So we're in Northwest Indiana today, uh, joined by Ryan Peel and Brian Early. Thanks, guys, for both coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having us. So, Absolutely. Uh, you guys would recognize Ryan and Brian's voices from previous episodes we've done, so uh, no strangers to the to the podcast today. So we'll just go ahead and get right into it, guys. Um, where would you say things are stacking up in terms of planning progress across uh, your respective areas? And maybe just briefly, uh, you know, let everybody know where it is that you kind of cover. All right, so I uh, I cover about a forty mile stretch uh, west of US thirty one from. Uh, Tipton up to the Michigan state line. And uh, in my geography, I would say we have more beans planted than corn. That's probably the first time that's happened. So I would peg our bean planting at maybe 25, 30% done and corn uh, somewhere around uh, 10%. So we've, uh, we've made good progress. We are deficient soil moisture. So we have been dry for a long time. We could have had a lot more done but the, uh, the continual colds really held everybody back from really charging ahead and putting a lot of acres in. Good deal. So from, from my perspective, guys, I would be around the Crawfordsville area, just kind of going up north to the Fowler area. And it's kind of makes a little bit of an L shape. It comes over to Highway 31, the southern part of Bryan's territory. And for, for generally speaking, for my areas, you get to the, the southern eastern um, little L section of my territory. We're not near as far along there. Um, just historically, it always stays a little wetter and it just is always a little bit, be, just doesn't go quite as fast as what does along the west side of the state. Now, up and down the west side of the state, we are, oh, we're, we're, we're pretty far along and, and some, some folks are a lot farther along with corn. Some are a lot farther along with soybeans, but I've just, I talked to a gentleman this morning and he's, he's done with corn. He's about half done with beans. And there's so, several folks in that camp that um, were, I'd, I'd hate to put a percent to it, but it, it would probably be in, in the least 50% corn, 50% beans up and down the state line. And, and again, south of Crawfordsville, they're always farther ahead down there, but we're moving right along pr pretty quickly and anxious to get out more here this week and see a lot more crop up. So absolutely. Yeah, we're. You, you guys know my area. I'm just to the north of Ryan and to the west of Bryan. So I kind of cover the rest of the state, uh, that little that little corner there. And it sounds as if my planting's uh, similar to what, what Brian Early's is, uh, more or less 30 beans, probably 10 corn. But as Ryan was saying, the further south you are, the more corn there seems to be in the ground. So um, uh, I live just north of town in West Lafayette, and you can start to row um, some of the corn that's coming up that's been planted uh, down in the Wabash Valley, um, but I mean, just barely peaking up. So uh, in my area, I, I don't know if I really have more than a field or two of stuff that's emerged. How about uh, 
about Brian or Brian or Ryan or Ben as we open the conversation to all parties. Yeah, Carl, this is Ryan. I know I've got some stuff up and I'm anxious to get out and look at some of that here yet today. We, I've seen some pictures, some early planted beans that are up. I've got some other even early April beans that are up and some early um, April corn that is up. So anxious to get out and see more of it. But yeah, we've got a lot of stuff starting to peek his heads up and getting ready to take off to the races. Sure. Uh, Carl, I would have very little up. Uh, the stuff that was planted on April 6th and 7th, which there wasn't much of it, it peaked through the ground the day before the real cold weather hit. And just barely, it was, uh, we had just cobbled together enough growing degree units to get it up. But it was, if it was cold or a no-till situation, uh, those hadn't even come out of the ground. So we are just starting to get stuff come up right now. Good deal. How about Ben or Brian? I mean, on to the, on to the south, we have, um, you know, that April 6th, 7th window that was referenced earlier. We have some, very little though, not a ton of that, but it is, it is up and, um, has been up for almost a week at this point. So almost have a true leaf on corn. Um, most of the beans have stood up all the way. Um, I, I suspect that everything that was planted in the first uh, 10 to 12 days of the month down here will be up by the time it starts raining this week um, with the heat that we have. And, and that honestly, we were we're probably we're probably not any farther ahead overall planting than than Ryan or Brian are. So just just um, kind of an oddity of the year, I guess. I, the last couple of years, everybody's been raring to go in April, but I mean it's out of an abundance of caution with cooler soils and you know dry fields can hold off just a little bit. Carl, there's not very much up in the eastern part of the state. Uh, very similar to what Brian early described. I know in my territory, I anticipate some things maybe uh, late Tuesday, early Wednesday before the majority of the rain comes in that we should see some stuff, at least what you would technically call emerged. Uh, but it's pretty slow at this point just because of the temperatures and the snowfall that we had last week. No, good. Uh, good summary, I would say, on everybody's behalf. So as uh, the USDA planning progress reports come out. Um, it seems as if we're kind of tracking right along the historical average, the last five-year average. And so that's that's good to put in folks' minds is uh, there may be some people that feel as if they're behind compared to the rest of the neighborhood to know that we're just, you know, more or less tracking on with that historical average. Uh, we do have an exceptionally warmer forecast uh, for this week than what there's been in the past. Uh, so strong contrast to when we were recording, uh, you know, a week ago today. Um, so that that's encouraging. Uh, but as this episode airs on Wednesday, the rain will likely be falling. So what do you guys kind of look for in terms of when to get back in the field or do we not have any reservations at this point with where, how warm our ground is? Maybe we'll start with Ryan. Yeah. So I'm, I guess I don't have a lot of reservations for where the ground is. I think, uh, I'm anxious to see what this rain does. It, uh, it seems like we keep missing them when when it looks yep. like we're going to get a good rain and then it uh it, it seems like it misses us so i'm optimistic because we definitely could use some precipitation so hopefully it, it will hit us and will give us a nice little 
those rain, but as far as holding back right now at this point, the temps look good and, and their trajectory is in the right direction. So I guess I personally am not, not too concerned on that, Carl. Yeah, I would echo Ryan's comments. I uh, This rain is going to be welcome for us. And uh, as long as it doesn't come all in a couple hours, we're forecast to get just uh, barely over an inch. Uh, I think it actually is going to make everything come up nice and even, and it should uh, should be a well welcome rain. Absolutely. Um, so when we've been thinking about uh, that frost event that occurred when we got down into the upper 20s, or for some folks only down to the lower 30s, uh, I think most of us were going with the recommendation of give it a few days, maybe a week's time before you really start to go out and evaluate things because you just need enough heat and enough time to pass before uh, you can get a good a good idea of uh, how things have progressed or, or begun to decay if they're not going to not going to progress. So right now is that time for folks to be able to go out and get a little bit better handle on uh, the impact of last week's uh, cool weather event. So when folks are going out and they're taking a look at their uh, fields that have been planted, either beans or corn, what, what do you encourage folks to look for? I'll open that up to the, to the peanut gallery. What should people be kind of keeping their eye out for? I'll start, Carl. Um, probably the, uh, the thing to look out for is plants that are or corkscrewed or have grown backwards. Uh, when you dig them up, first thing you're going to notice is probably if it's up, I mean, obviously you're going to notice uh, the ones that are struggling and see what kind of percentage you have. Um, you know, and, and after these freeze frost events, when they're not up, it's almost never a replant situation. It's what percent of the stand uh, didn't make it or is going to be plants that struggle behind all year. And that's really what you're after. So on the bean side, uh, that's not as much of an issue because everyone knows that beans can, can make up the gaps and do pretty well with a partial stand. Uh, corn, on the other hand, you know, that's that's the crop that will probably be uh, impacted more by having a percentage of the plants missing and, and struggling behind. So uh, in my experience, both cases, uh, you're never going to do anything with them. They're going to be good enough to keep. And, and most times the calendar or the weather doesn't let you replant or you don't want you don't want to replant. So uh, those are the things I, I would look for. But I would also hold off end of the week because a lot of times you know you'll see some necrosis some burn from the freezing frost and it's unclear whether they're going to pull through and make it or not so i want to see signs of recovery so the nice thing with these the days of really warm weather this week it ought to speed that up so i would think by friday saturday about when it's drying out you're going to have a real good idea of what it's uh, what you're looking at if it's if it's salvageable or not yeah Brian said a perfect car. I'm not really sure what else I could add to that other than, you know, I, I think, I think we're setting in a really, really good spot. The most fortunate thing with all this crop that did go in the ground prior to those events that compromised it was it all went in really good conditions. I mean, ground conditions went in perfect. Nobody really did anything they shouldn't have done that I could see. I mean, everything went in really good. And I think that's really going to help get it through all this. And again, wait until the end of the week is perfect. I mean, I seven to 10 days is the good rule of thumb to make sure you give it time to start recovering and see where it's at. So, yep. Um. Certainly. I think, uh, yeah, Brian and Ryan summed it up well. I do wonder, uh, Ryan Peel is our resident expert weed agronomist. Have you had any, uh, any reason for, uh, you know, concern about the, the standing wheat crop out there? I haven't had any concern on wheat, Carl. Actually got out and 
you know, I, I tell everybody you need to wait seven to 10 days, but I get pretty antsy. So I got out and looked at some last week, just trying to stage it and see where it was at. It's, I, I have zero issues whatsoever with the wheat ha- having any issues making it through. I, I think it'll be just fine. Anxious to get out here again later, latter part of this week and look, look again to just reconfirm. But if you do, basically what you want to do, Carl, is you want to find that uppermost node, kind of feel it with your fingers, and then you can cut above that and look for a head and just make sure the head in there looks looks healthy. I mean, you'll, you'll know the difference between what looks healthy and what doesn't. I mean, if it's got a, just a nice white appearance and just will stand up there, that's what you're looking for. So I, I have zero concern, though, at this point in time. Good deal. Uh, anything that we haven't had a chance to cover that folks should be thinking about as we turn the calendar from uh, April to May upcoming, guys? I have a, I mean, I, I have a, a question out of general curiosity. I mean, both of you, Brian and Ryan, mentioned that uh, you know the rain would be welcome, and and I agree with that down here that it would be welcome. But we're not, even though everything's planted nice, we're not um, just incredibly dry, like not dry enough to to give concern. So what what is the soil moisture situation as we go north through the state? Well, Ben, we've actually been on the drought index all the way through the winter. So we are, uh, we milked our subsoil moisture out last year to produce last year's crop. And we never really picked up snowfall or rain throughout the winter to, to replenish it. So uh, we are definitely living on the edge. So when I look past this rain, it looks like we're going to be a long way again from getting some rain. Um, so, you know, it always brings up your, in your thought, the drought talk so or drought thoughts. So I'm thinking, you know, this is, it's not, real similar to 12 but i see some tendencies that are similar so you know we uh we are close to living on the edge so we're going to need real timely rains to to have a good crop in my area especially on the sandier soils yep and ben for my geography i would say we're much more similar to what you are that we're we're not hurting for rain across most of my geography quite like what brian's area might be but just when you when you do look at the forecast any any time it looks like we can get get a nice inch shower rain i'm going to take it especially at this point in time getting things going yeah well like you said this this past weekend that that rain started out as a looking fairly significant and then it turned into a tenth or two depending on where you were it seems to be kind of the trend this year so and i think throughout other than i mean you can look at the drought monitor the northwest corner of the state has been on there since last june brian is that from carl is that right that's probably close, Ben, but heck, we can't work on that every year. I mean, that, that part of the state has always seems to either we're too wet in the spring and then dry. So it's nothing abnormal for us. <laughs> no, but but in terms of timing, Ben, yeah, you're spot on. I think it late July maybe um, is when we first started to show up and stay on the drought monitor map. So, yeah, a little, little concerning. Uh, we're still not nearly as bad as the Western Corn Belt and into the Rockies where, you know, they're just – they're hurting awfully bad. And if you're not sitting just on the aquifer, you know, best of luck to those folks. Um, so at least we're fortunate to, to be where we are in our world where we can count on a few more rains than what they can. But, uh, but yeah, good call out on uh, if it looks and feels like 2012 and uh, we'll see what the rest of the rest of the year brings as we knock on wood here. Yeah, one thing I'd bring up, Carl, especially for folks that tend to be on the sandier soils to the north, and if we do miss rain or if you've been missing them, uh, make sure you plant moisture. The, the one thing I've learned over all my years is that uh, 
years like this, you've got to plant deep and be in consistent moisture to get everything up and even. And you got a lot of incentive this year with the green prices. So it's scary to plant stuff two and three inches deep. But when we have those crusting events, it's always in that top half inch, quarter inch where that happens. So uh, in in my mind, I don't think you plant planting deeper gets you in any more risk of stuff crusting over. So, but planting in dry soils or abnormally all over the place, moisture soils, that does get us in trouble. So uh, even if it feels uncomfortable, make sure those seeds are in nice, consistent moisture. Absolutely. Nope. I could not agree more with those sentiments. And there's more research that's, that's been done here in the last two, three years by uh, extension staff and other university folks that supports the more, the if you plant at two or three inches, like you're saying, Brian, more regularly, we're going to get that. It may be slightly slower to emerge, but it's going to be a more uniform stand. And that's exactly what we're looking for out of our corn, uh, our corn emergence window. So yeah, planning, planning the moisture, planning a little deeper than maybe uh, convention would suggest that uh, it seems like it's paying off more times than not. Brian Trader, any uh, thoughts for the good of the cause? I, you guys covered it. My, I guess my question, Brian, just addressed around what to do to try to manage that. I mean, for those of us in the East, it, we don't run into the kind of dry starting conditions that you guys end up with. And Brian covered the planning. I guess my question would be, do you make any changes in order of hybrids that you're going to plant, Brian or Ryan, to mitigate that or try to get things up? Is there any hybrid specific management that you guys are helping uh folks through where that are in this really dry corridor brian i'd say most of the time we we do that work ahead of time i don't know if i would switch up hybrids so much uh one thing on some of the the droughtier soils uh, there's really two two camps on that one you, you can either try to plant as early as possible and try mm -hmm. to beat the drought that way uh, it seems like over the last decade, though, we've actually had a little better luck just letting those fields go and planting them last. It seems counterproductive, but it seems like we get really dry through June and August, and then we start to pick up rains in August, and that's it's kind of worked out well. At least you big difference between that and trimming populations back on some of those uh, on those real sandy spots using variable rate technology. It's really helped us kind of manage those dry acres. Good deal. Well, guys, I think we're, we're coming up on our time today. Um, I think we did a pretty nice job of summarizing uh, how far along folks are uh, with respect to historical norms and uh, things to be considering as we turn the calendar. It's still uh, our, our grounds warm enough uh, across most of the state that we can go ahead and hammer down and, and get this crop in and we just uh, hope everybody's, uh, you know, make sure you're not running yourself ragged and make sure you're taking time just to take that extra second to ensure you're doing everything safely. And uh, hopefully all the motorists behind us are also cooperating and not in too big of a hurry to get where they're going. So uh, with that, we'll conclude this episode of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast. Uh, if something struck a chord with a listener, uh, Brian Early, how might they find you on Twitter or elsewhere? Well, I, uh, I am guilty of being on two social too many social media platforms, but uh, the nice thing is my handle is the same on all of them. So if you search for at Bald Agronomist, uh, you can find me on most of them, and that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Good deal. Mr. Peel, how about yourself, sir? I, uh, I, I am on Twitter, um, at Peel Ryan. Um, you, you probably can find me on Facebook. If you look me up, I think I'd be the same way on Facebook, but probably Twitter's the best way to reach out to me. So 
Excellent. And Mr. Schrader? Uh, you can find me at BK Schrader on the Twitter machine, and you can find me at B underscore K underscore Schrader on Instagram. And Mr. Jacob? You can find me being moderately act- active on Twitter at the Ben Jacob and mildly less active on Facebook at Ben Jacob Agronomy. <laughs> Good deal. And uh, lastly, that's me, uh, Carl Jordan. You can find me on Twitter at C Jorn. Uh, thanks for joining us for another edition of the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.